a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking news here at KSL News Radio. Queen Elizabeth II, Britain's longest serving monarch, has died. Yeah, uh, 96 years old. Uh, her son Charles immediately became king upon her death. So there will be uh, a more formal coronation eventually, but it is now King Charles. Let's go to ABC News right now with live coverage. So, yeah, it just feels so alien. Everybody knows. 96, it's going to happen one day. But until it does, you keep pushing it off, pushing it off, hoping uh, that she'll stay on for maybe a few more years. So, as I say, a sad day, steely gray skies today, I guess, uh, you know, marking the sad news, as you say, telegraphed this morning when uh, a very, very rare statement came from Buckingham Palace that uh, she was under medical observation. They generally don't do that. They don't get involved in, in putting that kind of stuff out. So the alarm bells went off, and then we started following and seeing who's heading up to Balmoral. All the senior royals heading in that direction uh, in, in various ways, and uh, all culminating there at uh, her summer residence. And, and by all accounts, she got out uh, a few days this summer and enjoyed a she absolutely loved and adored. But as I say, it's going to take a few days, maybe weeks, to sink in here in the U.K., because... People are so used to her always being there. Now we get have to get used to saying, you know, King Charles. Or if he wants to change his name, uh, a different world, uh, I guess, starting right here, right now. She was queen for more than half a century. Elizabeth II reigned over a rapidly changing country, Tom. Uh, the last days of a once vast empire, she weathered scandals that would threaten the future of the monarchy. But through it all, as Tom says, she ruled with a steady hand and a devotion to the British people. And, and Tom, that affection seemed to be mutual. Well, very much so, very much so. And again, if you look at polling, you look at different generations at uh, the various royals, and she always comes out on top by the young Brits, by the, by the old Brits. They adore her for what she has, has done over, over the decades. As I say, there are different takes on, say, Charles, who will take over, maybe... Maybe William, et cetera, et cetera. But it's fascinating to look back over 70 years ago now when uh, she was looking at her life uh, going forward. And at that time, a young Elizabeth said, I dedicate before you all with my whole life, whether it be long or short. Interestingly, I shall be devoted to your service and to the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. And that resonates up and down the country Tonight, people are going to be reflecting on all of those decades, all of that time together. She was like an encyclopedia going back, as I say, over 70 years. 
ABC's Tom Rivers with us from London. Queen Elizabeth has died. Buckingham Palace issued a statement just a short while ago that the Queen died peacefully at Balmoral in Scotland earlier today. Her doctors had released something of an unprecedented statement earlier today saying that they had become concerned about the Queen's health. Her oldest son, Charles, will of course become king in keeping with British law of succession, the rule governing the orderly transition of power. Prince William will take his father's place as first in line to the throne, and little Prince George now second in line behind Prince William. We're pleased uh, to be joined by People Magazine's Michelle Tauber, the senior royals editor for People. Uh, Michelle, put this moment into context for us. Yeah, this is a seismic moment for the world. Um, Anyone um, anyone on earth... um, who has been been present for um, the past century um, knows this woman. You know the most the most famous woman in the world. And yes, um, as as said earlier, we knew that a 96 year old woman was not going to live forever. But she had become such a fixture and such a guidepost for the globe that to lose her, I think it creates, you know, as much preparation as I could have done for this day myself, um, it creates this sort of abrupt vacuum that there's almost no way to be prepared for. Um, it's that it's that huge. What's the first thing we should be remembering, Michelle? So I would say that the queen, you know, the queen had these very distinct phases in her life. And I think the one that will be most remembered is the most recent, the the phase of her life in which she was embraced both in the UK and around the world as a sort of grandma to the globe. Um, I think that, you know, there were certainly periods before then where her her popularity level was not what it is um, and what it has been in recent years. Um, It was very much up and down for her for a long time. But I think that um, today is a moment to really reflect on the fact that this is a woman who is not only one of the most historic figures of the modern era um, and certainly a witness to history like none other. I mean, we are speaking about a woman who 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 served with Prime Minister Winston Churchill, right? I mean, who was, um, you know, alive during the London bombings, present. I mean, this is this is a woman who saw every major historic event of the past century, lived it. Um, and then ultimately, this is also a woman who was a mother, a grandmother, a great grandmother, and a matriarch, um, and a very beloved one, and a, and a symbolic one, and also, um, a, a one who is very personal and and obviously um, very um, heartbreaking to those who who loved her most, her family, who you know who who, who will find this loss both um, unbelievably difficult personally and because this is the family business and it cha- her death changes everything in every way. It certainly does, perhaps. Most importantly for Charles, her eldest son, who was the Prince of Wales. He is now the King of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. He is also King of other Commonwealth realms. He will be called His Majesty. And this sets in motion 11 days of of mourning and commemoration, the life of Queen Elizabeth. I'm Aaron Katursky, and you're listening to live coverage from ABC News. ABC's Terry Moran now with a look back on the life of Queen Elizabeth II. She was simply, to millions around the world, the queen. 
the most famous woman of her time, from her coronation in 1953 to the outpouring of affection on her diamond jubilee marking 60 years on the throne. So much history, so many indelible moments. Decade after decade, from the Cold War to the computer age, what an extraordinary reign. And for all those years, through all that history, duty is what defined this remarkable woman. She was born in 1926, a little princess, Lilibet, her family called her, who was never expected to become queen until her uncle, the playboy king Edward VIII, abdicated the throne to marry an American divorcee, and her father then became King George VI. The young Elizabeth was suddenly next in line for the throne. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and to the service of our great imperial family. During World War II, the princess did her duty. She was a driver and mechanic on the home front, and she fell in love in those years a handsome prince, swashbuckling Navy Lieutenant Philip Mountbatten. Take thee, Philip. To my wedded husband. To my wedded husband. They married in 1947. Five years later, when King George died, Lilibet became Queen Elizabeth II. Her coronation was an international sensation. But the British Empire Elizabeth inherited was falling apart, all the colonies becoming independent nations. So she helped to create a new realm, dubbed the British Commonwealth. When we were young, it was very easy to take our grandmother for granted. Um, you know, she was just a grandmother um, to us. But I've actually really learned to sort of understand and, and accept the, the, the huge deal that she is around the world. Elizabeth traveled the world, more than 250 overseas trips, showing how the British monarch could change with the times and shape them, even as she raised four children, the most famous working mum in the world. She was a young woman in a man's world, um, carving her own way through life and through a job that she, like any of us, don't necessarily have all the preparations you'd like. The years brought their ups and downs. The wedding of Prince Charles and Diana seemed to be a highlight, and Elizabeth watched as her daughter-in-law captivated the world in the 1980s. But when that marriage collapsed so scandalously, many Britons began to doubt the relevancy of the monarchy itself. When Diana was killed in a car crash in Paris, Elizabeth stayed in Scotland with her family. As waves of grief rolled over Britain, the Queen was seen as unsympathetic, and public anger at the royal family reached a fever pitch. And then she returned and joined her people in mourning. What I say to you now, as your Queen and as a grandmother, I say from my heart. First, I want to pay tribute to Diana myself. She was an exceptional and gifted human being. As monarch, Elizabeth maintained tradition and yet moved just enough with the times. Good evening, sir. Who can forget her appearance alongside 007 Daniel Craig at the London Olympics? It was a rare moment of public fun from a woman who prized dignity, but her family knew a different side. If you do ever have problems, you can share them with her and she will listen and she will try and help. Um, but otherwise, she sort of lets you get on with your own life and, and carve your own path. Perhaps one of Elizabeth's proudest moments, Prince William's marriage to Kate Middleton in 2011, a wedding that united the British people and breathed fresh life into the monarchy. Two years later, the Queen would welcome the newest heir to the throne, Prince George, and later Princess Charlotte and Prince Louis. She's a remarkably energetic 
and dedicated guiding force for her family. And I'm so glad that my children are having the chance to get to know the Queen. In 2015, Elizabeth became the longest-serving monarch in British history, passing her great-grandmother, Queen Victoria. A long life, a long reign. She watched with pride as the next generation celebrated milestones, and she endured the disgrace of her son Andrew's public scandals. Her reign, which was born out of her uncle's abdication, saw her grandson Prince Harry also step away from royal life. The decision that I have made for my wife and I to step back is not one I made lightly. It was so many months of talks after so many years of challenges. And I know I haven't always gotten it right, but as far as this goes, there really was no other option. One biographer called her Elizabeth the Steadfast, her strength guiding her people through the COVID-19 outbreak. We should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. Elizabeth's deep sense of duty above all, earning her a permanent place in the hearts of the British people. In 2021, she mourned her greatest loss, the rock of her own life, her husband, Prince Philip. Her closest confidant and advisor, their marriage was an enduring partnership, a sentiment she shared on their 50th wedding anniversary. All too often, I fear Prince Philip has had to listen to me speaking. But he has quite simply been my strength and stay all these years. 73 years of marriage spent side by side. And at his funeral, the poignant images of the queen, due to COVID protocols, seated alone. She will be remembered for a lifetime of unwavering service to her country. Perhaps Prince Charles put it best on the night of his mother's diamond jubilee. As a nation, this is our opportunity to thank you and my father for always being there for us, for inspiring us with your selfless duty and service, and for making us proud to be British. The Queen is dead. Long live the King. ABC's Terry Moran looking at the life of Queen Elizabeth, who died today, according to Buckingham Palace, peacefully at her summer home in Scotland, Balmoral Castle. She was 96 years old, a, a rock of stability in a turbulent century on the throne more than 70 years. Straight back to London, ABC's Tom Rivers. She was the center of national life with you there in, in Britain, the head of state, the head of the armed forces. Her knowledge, her professionalism were unprecedented, as was her reign, Tom. Very much so. And, you know, you think back, uh, 15 prime ministers over a long run, probably an equal number of presidents going back to Truman. But even on a smaller scale, I live out by Heathrow, uh, a shopping center out here called the Elmsley Center. And you've seen these plaques thousands of places up and down the country. It says, this center, shopping center, opened by Queen Elizabeth on this date, 1977. She is going to be remembered by people in high places, people in low places. Um, she's one heck of an act to follow, that's for sure, Aaron. And it's going to be fascinating, interesting to watch the evolving of King Charles uh, in the coming, coming months. And, of course, you and I are going to be looking forward to a coronation somewhere down the road as well. So, yes. The focus still going to be on on the monarchy, but a very very different one that uh, than the one that uh, Elizabeth has gone through over these long long 
years and uh, something that's going to be that's going to be maintained, but going to be changing with time. The ascension of Charles to, to be the king is just one of the many things that, that, that are to happen over the course of, what, 11 days now, Tom, following yeah. news of the, of the Queen's death? Yeah, it's called, it's called, in this particular case, it's called uh, Operation London Bridge. But as you well know, it is a thick, thick volume that was updated. It was updated every year in the past, but now recent years has been updated, who knows, every two, three months. But everything and everything, down to the finest, finest detail, is laid out there. How things should work, um, where the services are going to be held, how long will she be lying in state, um, how long will the motorcade take to get out to Windsor, et cetera, et cetera. All of this stuff is spelled out, even the hymns. You think back a year and a half ago to the funeral of uh, Prince Philip. Basically, he designed that entire funeral himself. So everything in there, he kind of signed off on. And I'm sure we'll see the same thing with the case of, of Elizabeth. ABC's Tom Rivers with us live in London, where a double rainbow has appeared, Tom, over Buckingham Palace as members of the public gather outside to pay their respects to the Queen. This is going to be deeply felt in Great Britain, is it not? Oh, very much so. And the Commonwealth. Um, we've got friends up in Canada. They're going to be saying, you know, it is so sad. It is so sad. And, of course, in Australia, you know, there's been for decades a uh, debate whether or not they should have uh, a head of state uh, of, uh, of the Queen, in this case, uh, being their, uh, their head of state, etc. Uh, right now, people are, are, are not used to her not being there. And, uh, yes, there is, in fact, a real vacuum right now. Everybody knew this day would come, but you don't want to think about it, and you want to keep pushing it ahead. And uh, the day has now come, mm. and you and I are living through a living history as the events unfold before our very eyes. ABC's Tom Rivers with us live from London. Buckingham Palace posted the notice a short while ago, the peaceful passing of Queen Elizabeth II at age 96. She had been in declining health, and she had spent more than 70 years on the throne. In fact, notice of the Queen's passing was just posted on the gates of Buckingham Palace where a rainbow was seen overhead as people gathered to pay respects. The flag atop Buckingham Palace, now at half-staff. I'm Aaron Katursky, and you're listening to live coverage from ABC News. Word came just a short while ago that Queen Elizabeth had died. We're joined by Michelle Tower, the Royals editor, the senior Royals editor for People magazine. Tom suggests it well that, that people are going to have to take a minute to, to really internalize just what they're going to be missing. Yeah, I think that's really true. Again, it, it's it's a the tide has gone out on the life and the historic reign of a woman who has been a fixture in um, around the globe in in our lives in various ways um, for nearly 100 years. So even before she was on the throne, she was a young princess in wartime. Um, she is someone whose life has been chronicled every step of the way. So to suddenly have someone with that level of visibility and that level of continuity, which is really unprecedented um, for any um, you know major global figure. Um, is, you know, it inevitably creates a real absence, a profound absence, I would say. And I've heard from so many people saying, I'm not sure why, I just suddenly feel sad. 
And I think that's a, you know, a common sentiment in terms of, you know, if you've never met, most of us have never met the queen and, um, and have no real, you know, tangible connection to this royal family. But I think it's that, um, it's that sense of this, this is the passing of an era, the end of an era, certainly, and the passing of time. Um, you know, it's a bit of a, I think, a, a rather existential day for a lot of people, too. Michelle, I'm curious, uh, you know, as you say that, I was thinking about my one audience with the Queen. I, I came at, at uh, the United Nations when she was giving a speech, and it, in her presence, and not that I was all that close, but you could sort of feel a bit of an energy around her, even though she's this diminutive figure. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you know, she carried, she was small in stature, but she carried, um, you know, certainly a, a very outsized presence. And it's really interesting because, I mean, you know, she was she was extremely, everyone who's ever heard her speak, which, um, you know, she didn't do publicly often, knows that she's, you know, very soft-spoken um, and didn't occupy a lot of physical space. But there was certainly that sense when the queen was in a room or, you know, present um, at an event that there was a, a gravity, a stillness. Um, the queen, of course, famously wore her brightly colored clothes very specifically so that she could be spotted in a large crowd because she knew how much that meant to people to have that moment, whether or not they were able to you know, actually get up close or, or exchange words with her. She knew most people wouldn't. And so she wanted to ensure that they would have that memorable experience of being able to say, I saw the queen. Um, and I think that speaks a lot to her understanding and appreciation of how much she meant to people. Uh, Michelle Talber is the senior royals editor at People magazine, joining us on the occasion of the death of Queen Elizabeth II, who died today, according to Buckingham Palace, at 96 years old. Prince Charles, who had been the Prince of Wales, is now king, and he will formally ascend to the throne tomorrow, pick a name, how he would like to be addressed as his majesty. Uh, but he is now the, the king of, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, an incredible changing of the guard on the occasion of the death of Queen Elizabeth. I'm Aaron Katursky, and you're listening to live coverage from ABC News. We have come to know Queen Elizabeth as a mother and grandmother, now great-grandmother, but she came to the throne long before those roles and almost by accident. ABC's Sherry Preston now with a look back at the Queen's earliest years. It's hard to remember that this resilient symbol of the monarchy was once a carefree girl. That same woman was also a competent auto mechanic. She volunteered during the war, according to British journalist Andrew Marr. She became a mechanic and a driver, and she sat with, you know, normal other girl recruits in classrooms and learned how to take apart the engines of trucks. The Queen's granddaughter, Princess Beatrice, says it was an appropriate way to fulfill her sense of duty. You know, during the Second World War, the whole country went to war. And I think that she felt she was of an age where she wanted to do something as well. And um, I think sort of driving, driving the ambulances was a really good way of, um, of her sort of getting involved with the war effort, but, you know, but doing something that she was very good at, which is driving. When she was a young mother of two, Princess Elizabeth went to Africa on a state visit. Her father, King George, remained in London. In Kenya, the royal party stayed in a treehouse meant for watching wildlife. That night, Princess Elizabeth's father, already suffering from lung cancer, died of a heart attack. She went up into the treehouse of Princess and came down a 25-year-old queen. 
Pamela Hicks was her lady-in-waiting. She adored her father, and, and he doted on her. So I sort of, you know, rushed up and gave her a hug and a kiss and said, oh, how awful. And then I thought, my God, it's the Queen. So deep curtsy, you know. Everything changed. She was immediately thrust into the spotlight, grandson Harry. At the age of 25, to suddenly come back from Africa and, with, and confronted with the world's media. And that's when it all began. Again, Roya Nika. I think the Queen's fascination, and deep fascination with the Queen from magazines and news organisations came from the fact that when she came to the throne at the age of 25, this was an incredibly young, glamorous, beautiful woman. I think we had forgotten that maybe in, in, in later decades when we saw her in her 80s and her 90s. Prince William describes his grandmother as a pioneer. At the time, she was a, a woman in a man's world. Um, stepping into what everyone thought was only a man could do. Her ascension to the throne changed more than just the monarchy. Again, Chris Connolly. The fact that the coronation was eventually shown on TV had a lot to do with television gaining acceptance. In England, in a big way that some people actually bought their TVs for the first time so they could watch the coronation. And watch they did. Best-selling author and ABC News royal contributor Robert Jobson says she was a looker. She was really a superstar princess when she came to the throne. Um, very naive, very young, beautiful, um, an icon of fashion. But that wouldn't make her transition any easier. ABC News royal contributor Alastair Bruce. She faced a lot of criticism when she became monarch because people thought that she wasn't old enough, that her voice was boring, that this... And yet she's turned out to be, probably beyond all measure, the most effective constitutional monarch that the United Kingdom, its other 15 realms that she has, and the Commonwealth has ever had. You know, she's been monumentally affected by just being her steady self. In June of 2021, Harry and Meghan gave birth to a daughter, Lilibet Diana Mountbatten-Windsor, the name Lilibet a tribute to Harry's grandmother. As a young girl, she was given the nickname Princess Lilibet because she couldn't pronounce her own name, a princess who was never supposed to be queen. As a young girl, it was not her father, but her uncle Edward who was king. She was just the daughter of the king's little brother, British historian and writer Robert Lacey. She wasn't born for the job. I think the secret of this queen's success is that she was just a minor member of the royal family for the first 10 years of her life. Very little chance of her becoming queen. This gave her great respect for the institution, but also great personal modesty. Then her uncle gave up the throne to marry a divorced American, Wallace Simpson. At that time, divorce and monarchy didn't go together. Elizabeth's father, the one with the stammer that most Americans know from the movie The King's Speech. We are at, at war. Was suddenly King George. Ten-year-old Princess Elizabeth was just as suddenly first in line to the throne. When she was 14, Princess Elizabeth gave her very first public address on the radio at the beginning of World War II. And when peace comes, remember, it will be for us, the children of today, to make the world of tomorrow a better and happier place. My sister is by my side, and we are both going to say goodnight to you. Come on, Margaret. Good night, children. Good night, and good luck to you all. The early years of Queen Elizabeth, who died today at the age of 96. The statement came a short time ago from Buckingham Palace, recalling her 70-plus years on the throne, saying she died 
peacefully at her summer home in Balmoral in Scotland. 96 years old, Queen Elizabeth uh, was born in 1926, the first child of the Duke and Duchess of York. She came into the world, uh, the Mayfair home of her mother's parents, the Earl and Countess of Strathmore. She arrived by cesarean section. We know all of these things about about the, the, the finest details of her life. And yet there were so many things that uh, that she kept private. ABC's Tom Rivers is with us from London. We saw her often. She was the, the queen of the television age as television came into being. But but you didn't often hear a lot of a lot of what she thought personally about the world that she was was unfolding in front of her. You know, she was very, very good at that. She understood that she could not, as a monarch, politicize issues. So, yes, she had her own you know view on on world events. But uh, she left that for the politicians to grind out uh, in places like the House of Commons. And as Michelle was alluding to earlier as well, you know, a lot of us think think to uh, think of the Queen and as kind of this grandmotherly figure. But I guess you and I are going to be seeing a lot of documentaries, I would guess, over the next week. And uh, those remarkable days back when she had a an oil uh, oil slick uh, handkerchief in her pocket, working on working on jeeps in World War II, and then in the fifties, wow, uh, the time of uh, the West End nightclubs and of course uh, her sister as well um so yes so many different aspects phases the changing face of britain and she was there through through all of it and uh yeah and a re- remarkable remarkable person and uh someone that uh wow you and i will never see the likes of again let's put it that way that's uh, it's true uh, charles who became king on the death of his mother said in a statement now quoted by the Press Association of Britain, we mourn profoundly the passing of a cherished sovereign and a much-loved mother. I know her loss will be deeply felt throughout the country, the realms and the Commonwealth, and by countless people around the world. The first statement from Charles, who has now become king following the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth, at the age of 96 after more than 70 years on the throne Michelle Tauber, the senior royals editor at People Magazine, is also with us. Uh, Michelle, uh, Charles is going to be a a much different kind of monarch than his mom. No question about that. Um, First of all, Charles is the longest-serving Prince of Wales in history. And as we know, he has waited a lifetime uh, in the wings for this role, which means he's had longer than anyone to prepare. And it's a striking contrast um, to his mother, who, you know, it was noted earlier, was never in line, was never expecting to be monarch and was thrust into it in, under incredibly um, shocking circumstances. You know, the abdication of, of her uncle and the death of her father. Um, Charles Charles is in a very different situation. He's had this on the horizon for um, his entire life. And, um, you know, I think for him, uh, one of the biggest challenges, as we know, is getting to a place where he feels that he can sit on the throne with Camilla, the queen consort, by his side. And it was only in a um, very recent time that, that Queen Elizabeth, uh, his mother, gave her approval of that, of seeing Camilla be named queen consort. Um, and she, you know, basically said, 
I couldn't have held this role without my partner, Prince Philip. You know, this is he was an essential support to me throughout my reign. And I recognize that that's something, um, you know, that 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 is needed. Michelle, let me just have you pause there if I could. We are just now hearing from the new British Prime Minister, Liz Truss, speaking live outside 10 Downing Street on the death of the Queen. Is the great country it is today because of her. She ascended the throne just after the Second World War. She championed the development of the Commonwealth from a small group of seven countries to a family of 56 nations spanning every continent of the world. We are now a modern, thriving, dynamic nation. Through thick and thin, Queen Elizabeth II provided us with the stability and the strength that we needed. She was the very spirit of Great Britain, and that spirit will endure. She has been our longest ever reigning monarch. It's an extraordinary achievement to have presided with such dignity and grace for 70 years. Her her life of service stretched beyond most of our living memories. In return, she was loved and admired by the people in the United Kingdom and all around the world. She has been a personal inspiration to me and to many Britons. Her devotion to duty is an example to us all. Earlier this week, at 96, she remained determined to carry out her duties as she appointed me as her 15th Prime Minister. Throughout her life, she's visited more than 100 countries and she has touched the lives of millions around the world. In the difficult days ahead, we will come together with our friends across the United Kingdom the Commonwealth and the world to celebrate her extraordinary lifetime of service. It is a day of great loss, but Queen Elizabeth II leaves a great legacy. Today, the crown passes, as it has done for more than a thousand years, to our new monarch, our new head of state, His Majesty, King Charles III. With the King's family, we mourn the loss of his mother. And as we mourn, we must come together as a people to support him, to help him bear the awesome responsibility that he now carries for us all. We offer him our loyalty and devotion, just as his mother devoted so much to so many for so long. And with the passing of the second Elizabethan age, we usher in a new era in the magnificent history of our great country, exactly as Her Majesty would have wished, by saying the words, God save the King. Live from London, British Prime Minister Liz Truss speaking outside 10 Downing Street. She called this a day of great loss, but she said Queen Elizabeth II leaves a great legacy, and she pledged to offer loyalty and devotion to King Charles III, who has ascended to the throne on the death of his mother. A short while ago, we heard from Charles, who said that we mourn profoundly the passing of a cherished sovereign and a much-loved mother. I know her loss will be deeply felt throughout the country, the realms and the commonwealth, and by countless people around the world. Charles the King said, The death of my beloved mother, Her Majesty the Queen, is a moment of great sadness for me and all members of my family. We mourn profoundly the passing of this cherished sovereign. The words of 
King Charles III and the British Prime Minister Liz Truss, who called this a, a, a day of great loss. ABC's Tom Rivers with us from London. Uh, the new Prime Minister was among the last people to, to meet in person with the Queen. Absolutely. And if you uh, recall some of those pictures, um, the Queen actually looked, you know, she was bent over, a little frail, but boy, she was smiling and beaming. Her eyes were very, very bright. Um, you could tell, though, from the picture in her right hand, we could see uh, it was quite discolored. Some people were speculating maybe she had recently had a catheter in there or something. We don't know. Um, but yes, um, to go from, you know, a pretty bright looking person on Tuesday to the cancellation of a Privy Council meeting on Wednesday evening to uh, the sad, sad news today. So it might have been something very, very very quick, and again, we will have to wait for the doctor's final detailed reports on, on that one. Yeah, Tom. Indeed, we we the the day unfolded quite rapidly. Buckingham Palace issued a statement saying that doctors were concerned for the Queen's health. Uh, that statement that was issued uh, early in the morning our time uh, said that mm-hmm. she was comfortable and and that she was to be under medical supervision. But then we started to to see the the steady procession of members of her family move toward Balmoral, and that seemed to be the the biggest sign of all. Yep. Oh, very much so. And you think back a year and a half ago when uh, Prince Philip was having some pretty tough, uh, pretty tough days in hospital here down in London, and none of the family really went and saw him in hospital, with the exception of Charles, and was that was toward the end of his release. From the hospital at that time, and he got into a car. He looked really bad, uh, in bad shape. But uh, this was very, very different. And as you point out, all of the senior royals going up to Scotland like a magnet. And uh, we knew uh, more than the statement, the very fact that they were in planes heading to Aberdeen meant this is real serious, folks. And uh, we're seeing uh, seeing the implications right here, right now. And again, it's going to be something to watch. To be here in London, to watch these events unfold over the next uh, two weeks, it's going to be very emotional, and uh, people are going to be reflecting upon the past, and it is almost a piece of their life, their life, even if they hadn't met her, as you point out, they feel they've lost a piece of their life tonight, here in the British capital, and uh, it's going to be something that people are going to be thinking about, certainly for the, for the days to come. ABC's Tom Rivers with This is AM Salt Lake City, KSL FM Midvale. You are li- listening to live team coverage from ABC Charles News on the death of Queen Elizabeth. Kuturski, and you're listening to live coverage from ABC News. We're joined also by Michelle Tower, the senior royals editor at People magazine. I, I, I wanted to ask you, Michelle, as Tom describes the, the, the emotional heft of the day in, in Great Britain, why here do we also feel some of that? We spent a, a whole whole lot of wartime trying to, to break away from the monarchy. Right. I think that, you know, Americans have a very different relationship, clearly, with the royal family and with the queen than those in Great Britain. Um, you know, we have none of the baggage when it comes to our tax um, money going toward, you know, renovations of Buckingham Palace and 
are they really worth, you know, all, all of this, um, you know, uh, the, the work that the, the British public puts in and, and uh, compared to what the, the family uh, does in terms of work. There's a lot of baggage there that we don't have. So for us, they're Americans. There is a sort of a, a more fairy tale take on things, which is, you know, this is a family. We're we're the, the land of, of Walt Disney and Cinderella's Castle, and this is a family who embody much of the the sparkle that sort of plays out in in beloved fairy tales um, that many Americans grew up with. So I think there's that. I also think an important element for Americans is Queen Elizabeth's stature as the grandmother of William and Harry. You know, it can never be overstated how much Americans um, cherished Princess Diana, how much interest they still maintain, even 25 years after Diana's uh, death, and therefore how much they still are interested in the lives of her two sons who were, you know, young boys um, when she died. So I think her, her place as the matriarch of that family will always be linked in many ways to, um, you know, the, the lives of Harry and William today. Um, I also wanted to comment on one thing. You know, I know um, it does seem sudden in terms of seeing her just a few days ago with the new prime minister and hearing today the news and now hearing she's gone. But I think it's worth noting that this is a queen who really seemed to have dotted every I and crossed every T. You know, she made she made it to her 70th jubilee, which many people wondered if she could. Um, she was out there being feted by the world and kind of giving the world that moment. Um, and now today we we know that she had her entire family in the UK, even knowing that her grandson, Prince Harry, and his wife, Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex, had, you know, moved to the United States and now live in California, but they're there right now. Um, and I think it's really telling that there were these sort of um, buttoned up moments, almost like they were checked off. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's really aligned with who the queen was, and um, I, I find it really interesting. Mm. Michelle Taubers, the senior royals editor at People magazine, with us after Buckingham Palace announced the death of Queen Elizabeth II at 96. She lived from 1926 until this day in 2022. We're also joined by ABC's Karen Travers, our White House correspondent. Uh, Karen, any word from, from the President of the United States on the death of Queen Elizabeth? No official statement yet from the President, Aaron. He was actually supposed to deliver remarks on COVID vaccines about a half an hour ago, but those remarks were canceled. So we're waiting to see if they get rescheduled for later. Uh, but we are anticipating a statement from the President and First Lady soon. We just don't have that yet. But the news of the Queen's passing came uh, during the briefing with White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre right at the end. So the quick reaction from her was that the thoughts and prayers uh, of the White House go to the family members of Queen Elizabeth. But, you know, just looking at the incredible relationship that Queen Elizabeth has had with American presidents, the numbers, Aaron, are astounding. Mm. President Biden was the 12th American president that she met with since she became queen back in 1952. <laughs> and let's count President 
met Harry Truman because she actually met with him when she was still a princess back in 1951 when she traveled to Washington, D.C. So 13 American presidents in total, all of the American presidents going back to World War II, with the exception of Lyndon Johnson. Uh, Joe Biden being the 12th one she met with, they uh, met last June 2021 when he was traveling to the U.K. She welcomed him to Windsor Castle. Afterwards, uh, he talked about their private meeting and he talked about their uh, long conversation. He said she was very generous. He said she reminded him of his mother, he said, in terms of her look and her generosity. He said she invited uh, he and the first lady uh, invited her to visit them at the White House. Of course, that trip did not happen. Uh, But, you know, she is somebody that did have uh, close ties with several American presidents. Uh, She had state visits for George W. Bush, Barack Obama, even Donald Trump, who she said she had a lot of fun with when he came over to visit and they had spent some time together at a dinner. But, you know, one thing that uh, you might see a little bit of uh, social media traffic on, I had forgotten about this detail. Back in 1991, George H.W. Bush, he loved sports, so did his son, George W. Bush. He took Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip to a Baltimore Orioles baseball game. That was the first time Queen had been to a baseball game. No word on whether or not she decided she loved American baseball after that, but uh, certainly some great images of her meeting with some of the baseball players. Uh, Karen, you think President Biden goes to the funeral? You know, we that question came up during the briefing, and uh, no surprise, Corrine Jean-Pierre said she was not going to get ahead of anything and, and out of respect for the family, not talking about any travel plans. But given the timeline of uh, how long it will be before their official uh, ceremonies, I, I think we expect it would be very likely that he would. There are several things that are coming up on the president's schedule, though, uh, in mid-September. It's the big meeting of the U.N. General Assembly in New York City, where a lot of world leaders will be coming to the U.S. for those big meetings. So the timing of that is certainly very interesting, where people will be coming here when you think a lot of world leaders would certainly want to be going to London to pay their respects to Queen Elizabeth. ABC's Karen Travers, our White House correspondent, uh, after the death of Queen Elizabeth II at the age of 96, she died peacefully today, surrounded by family, it, it turns out, at Balmoral Castle in Scotland. We heard a short while ago from Liz Truss, the, the new British prime minister, who said it is an extraordinary achievement to have presided with such dignity and grace for 70 years. Her life of service stretched beyond most of our living memories. In return, Truss said the Queen was loved and admired by the people in the United Kingdom and around the world. And she referred to Charles, the new king, as King Charles III, saying, Today the crown passes, as it has done for more than a thousand years, to our new monarch, our new head of state, His Majesty, King Charles III. ABC's David Muir now, the anchor of World News Tonight, on the new king. The Prince of Wales is king after the longest royal apprenticeship in history. He'll be the best prepared monarch we've ever had, having served so long as sort of tutelage under his mother. Even to him, she was your majesty in public. But watch her face on her 92nd birthday. Your majesty, mummy. In 1952, when Charles was just three, his mother became queen. His destiny was laid out before him. It was a difficult childhood for Charles. As a young queen, his mother put duty and service above all else. One of the things he talks about is this memory of his mother 
coming to kiss him goodnight on the nursery floor, wearing the imperial state crown. His mother broke with tradition, as we saw dramatized on the crown. Prince Charles was the first heir to the throne to be sent to school, as opposed to being instructed by private tutors. He was sent away to the same school, I gather, that Prince Philip also attended, and he didn't have the easiest time of it at first. In his 30s, the prince told Barbara Walters he struggled with certain subjects. I think it's not too bad for people to know that the Prince of Wales can also fail in school and they give him a failing grade. Oh, yes. I failed my maths exam three times. I finally got it on the fourth attempt. Prince of Wales became his title in 1969. But at the time, many knew him as a playboy prince. They tried to kind of create him as kind of a James Bond figure. He was referred to as Action Man, I think, in the 60s, as he like flew planes or did helicopters or rode in jeeps or whatever he was doing. In his early adulthood, he became a helicopter pilot, joined the Naval Air Squadron, and took command of a naval mine hunter. And there were a long line of lovely young ladies who appeared to be potential spouses for him who did not make the final cut. At 31, he proposed to his uncle's granddaughter, Amanda Natchbull. She turned him down. He fell in love with Camilla Sham, but she married someone else while he was in the Navy. Well, 30 seconds, I think. Finally, Lady Diana Spencer, the younger sister of a girl he had dated. All of a sudden, this teacher, who was so young and so fresh, that beautiful smile and ingratiating manner, suddenly we discovered that she was the apple of his eye, and before we knew it, they got engaged. I remember thinking what a very jolly and amusing and, and attractive 16-year-old she was, and I mean, great fun, mm. and bouncy and full of life and everything. And um, um, I don't know what you thought of me. But... Pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose in love. Of course. Whatever in love means. Everybody remembered that interview where they were asked if they were in love, and he said, yes, whatever love is. And that tells you, I think, a little bit about maybe his upbringing. Whatever love is from a grown man who's just gotten engaged. It's not the note you want to go out and pick your informal china pattern with. It's emerged that the Prince of Wales, the night before his wedding, really wasn't at all sure whether he was in love with Diana and was actually almost convinced that he wasn't. On that day in July 1981, 750 million people all over the world tuned in. So long as you both shall live. I will. It looked as though Cinderella had gotten her prince. How are you enjoying married life? How do you recommend it? I remember going to Australia with them. We were away for six weeks. And, I mean, that was the love to her. I mean, they were over each other like, you know, a rash. I mean, they used to look at each other like they wanted to rush off and uh, rip the clothes off each other. They were that passionate. I mean, it was really, and very tactile, you know, touching. A year later, an heir, and then a second son. They're in very good form indeed, and bring us both an immense uh, amount of happiness. In this, their first interview, 1985 in Kensington Palace, music by William and Harry and the royal couple still acting like newlyweds. I suspect most husbands and wives find that uh, they often have arguments. But we don't. No, no. But occasionally we do, because, I mean... No, we don't. I, I'm, you know, I, <laughs> I'm, I go on longer sometimes. Yes, but I'm faster. <laughs> there we are. The thing that the British public will always be grateful for is the way she raised her sons. 
and the love and the affection and the touching and the caring that she imbued them with. They're never going to say whatever love is. They know what love is. But as we all know, the fairy tale faded. And within five years, it was clear the marriage had crumbled. Later, dueling interviews revealing that Camilla was still in the picture. Their foreign trips were now portraits of an unhappy relationship. She was in touch with her feelings. If she was mad at her spouse, there were going to be indications of that in the photographs. And there were. The funeral procession is on the south side of the park. With Diana's sudden and tragic death just a year after their divorce, Charles was a single parent of two shattered boys. They are coping extraordinarily well, but obviously the, uh, Diana's loss and death has been uh, uh, an enormous uh, loss as far as they're concerned. As the years passed, Charles slowly introducing the other woman, Camilla, to the public. Yes, it might have been an affair that rocked the monarchy, but it's endured and resulted in an incredibly happy marriage. Through it all, Charles did hundreds of royal engagements every year, which increased the queen in her 90s. By 2016, attending 530 engagements at home and abroad in just one year. Duchess Kate on dating Prince William and meeting her future father-in-law. I was quite nervous about meeting uh, William's father, but, um, but no, he's very, very welcoming and you know, very friendly. So, yeah, I couldn't have, it couldn't have gone easier, really, for me. As Charles now prepares to ascend the throne, what does he do with it? Will it be more striking to us when it's held by a man that we've seen grow up as opposed to Queen Elizabeth? What are the qualities that the British monarchy represents? That's the question that Charles is going to now have to answer. This man is an absolute gem, and we should put our hands together in this country we've got him, because he is, to my mind, you know, he is the next king, no doubt about it. And people say, oh, yeah, but he won't make a great king. Wait and see. This grandfather, who has spent seven decades waiting in the wings, finally will wear the crown. ABC's David Muir, and just a moment ago, Clarence House confirmed that Charles will be known as King Charles III. King Charles III, now the reigning monarch over the Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, following the death of Queen Elizabeth II at age 96. And the world changed. And you are listening to KSL News Radio and and live TV coverage from ABC News on the death of Queen Elizabeth. Great Britain evolved through the 20th century, past the millennium, into the 21st century. I mean, think about everything that happened. Penicillin was discovered, a man landed on the moon, Britain elected its first woman prime minister, the internet was invented, and and the Queen seemed acutely aware that, that she and the country were perpetually navigating this sea of change. And now we change upon her death. This is live coverage from ABC News. I'm Aaron Katursky. Queen Elizabeth II has died at 96. The announcement came a short while ago from Buckingham Palace, who said the Queen died peacefully at her summer home in Scotland, Balmoral. Members of the royal family had been summoned to be by her side earlier today after the palace issued a rare statement updating without provocation, it seemed, the the worrying condition about the state of her health. 
Let's get straight to London ABC's Tom Rivers. This is just the beginning of two weeks that are going yeah. to unfold and, and really change not only the, the monarchy, but uh, how uh, Britons uh, are, are governed. Yeah, well, exactly. And uh, as you alluded to, uh, one of the myriad of questions has been solved now. It looks like Charles is going to retain his name as, as king. Um, it looks like uh, the operation has, has changed a little bit because she has passed away in Scotland. She may, I guess, now be uh, lying in state for a short period of time in, in Edinburgh before coming down to uh, be lying in state down here in London. That's when the, the, the formal uh, dedicated plan kicks in once she gets down here. But, uh, yes, yeah, so, so many changes, as you point out. Uh, Charles, 73 years of age, finally going to be uh, <laughs> going to work, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, many things change. He's going to have he's going to have coins made with his picture on it, postage stamps. Um, it, it, it's it's a different world. He's a very very bright guy though, and uh, he's sharp as a tack. And uh, listening to your last uh, commentator, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised, maybe pleasantly surprised. And uh, yes, he's going to uh, without getting political because he knows the rules of the road. He's going to, uh, if you will, influence, try to influence events for the good. You think back to uh, his father, kind of the, the chairman and the leading organ of, say, the World Wildlife Fund. Uh, Charles is, is kind of cut from that cloth. So, uh, yes, expect him to get behind some causes, not controversial ones, but some causes that uh, ring his bell as well. ABC's Tom Rivers with us live from London Following the death of Queen Elizabeth, we have just uh, received a statement from the White House on behalf of uh, the President and the First Lady uh, saying that Queen Elizabeth II was more than a monarch. She defined an era. Is Karen around? We'll get to ABC's Karen Travers at the White House in a second, uh, because the statement of President Biden said that in a world of constant change, the Queen was a steadying presence and a source of comfort and pride for generations of Britons, including many who have never known their country without her. In enduring admiration for Queen Elizabeth II united people across the Commonwealth, the President said, the seven decades of her history-making reign bore witness to an age of unprecedented human advancement and the forward march of human dignity. A statement a moment ago on behalf of President and Mrs. Biden on the death of Queen Elizabeth II, Michelle Taubers with us. Uh, the senior royals editor at People magazine, and and the, the the statement from President Biden seems to 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 sum up what we keep hearing this this rock of stability in an ever changing world. Absolutely, I think that's really where people's minds are at the moment, and I think again, it's that sense of um, things when, when the thing that's always been there, in this case, the person who has always been there. Um, is suddenly gone, even if it has been, you know, expected for quite some time. Even if the person, um, it's not a, you know, it's 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 not a tragic um, event. Nonetheless, it creates a, a huge, a profound absence, I think, and a, and a kind of a, an earthquake right underneath everyone's feet. This feeling that today is not the same as yesterday. Um, and what does this mean for tomorrow? It's um, it's a time of, of you know, um, upset, and um, I think everyone's feeling it. 
Michelle Tauber, the senior Royals editor at People magazine. In fact, we want to look at the impact on future generations of, of the monarchy without Queen Elizabeth. ABC's Amy Roback now with that. For seven decades, she made and witnessed history as the head of the royal family. In 2015, she became the longest reigning monarch in British history, outpacing her great-great-grandmother, Queen Victoria, and her 63 years of service on the throne. But Elizabeth II is queen of many other firsts. Her coronation ceremony in 1953, watched by a record 27 million people in the UK alone, was the first to be broadcast on television. I here present unto you Queen Elizabeth, your undoubted queen. Those famous royal walkabouts? Her Majesty started the tradition of greeting the public in 1970 during a tour in Sydney. The most traveled of any of her British predecessors, the Queen visited over 100 countries on behalf of the Crown. The arrival of Queen Elizabeth of England to begin a state visit to West Germany. Including the first state visit to then West Germany in 1965. 21 years later, widely seen as one of her most historic tours, a critical act of diplomacy at the time, she became the first British monarch to visit China in 1986. And the first to address the U.S. Congress in 1991. Force in the end is sterile. We have gone a better way. Our societies rest on mutual agreement, on contract, and on consensus. Another historic first came in May of 2011, the first state visit to the Republic of Ireland by a British monarch in 100 years. It was the first time a reigning monarch traveled to the Emerald Isle since its separation from the United Kingdom. That moment when she came off the aeroplane in Ireland, the Republic, and came down the steps dressed in St. Patrick's blue, and later on lowered her head at the memorial to those who had sought Republican success and who had fought for it. That was significant. And I think the Queen was trying to create an environment for an improvement in relations. To all those who have suffered as a consequence of our troubled past, I extend my sincere thoughts and deep sympathy with the benefit of historical hindsight. We can all see things which we would wish had been done differently or not at all. ABC's Amy Robach. There are going to be changes to the monarchy. Michelle Tauber is with us, our senior royals editor, People Magazine. Because not only does Charles take over and Clarence House now confirms he will be known as King Charles III, that becomes official today, uh, but, but because the monarchy seems to, to have changed and, and there was maybe this feeling that she was the last of the 70-year you know, rulers, what becomes of it now? I mean, this is, we're in a period of enormous transition, um, and it's only just beginning. And in fact, it had already begun, as you alluded to. Um, we have seen in the past year several Commonwealth countries um, announce they are breaking ties with the, um, with the Queen, with the monarchy, um, and um, exerting their independence. And I think that trend, um, there has long been a sense that that the queen was the person sort of holding this loose, um, you know, loose um, network of nations together. And that with her absence and with the leadership of Prince Charles, that entire um, sort of 
you know, configuration becomes even more um, vulnerable. So I think there is certainly concern that um, with the death of the queen, we will see even more of um, an initiative for these Commonwealth nations to break away from the monarchy. And, um, you know, I think within the UK, there is also a sense of, you know, this queen who saw us through World War, who, um, you know, led this family through, um, you know, it's unimaginable tragedy um, with the death of Diana, just events, world shaking events that there was a certain degree of trust in her that, that did, again, go up and down throughout the decades, but certainly by the end felt very much cemented. And I think that that is not necessarily a trust that is um, felt by the British public um, toward Charles. So um, I, I think it's there's a lot there's a, a lot in um, in transition now, and it's a delicate and um, you know really sort of um, fluid time I would say for this family and for this institution. Indeed, uh, the, that sentiment echoed, Michelle, by the new British Prime Minister Liz Truss, who hailed the Queen as the rock on which modern Britain was built. She led tributes uh, to the country's longest-serving monarch today, who died at age 96. She called her death a huge shock to the nation and the world, even though the Queen had been in declining health. Speaking in Downing Street, Truss described the Queen as the very spirit of Great Britain before declaring that spirit is going to endure. And Clarence House told us today that Charles has decided he would be known as King Charles III, something new to get used to as we refer to a new British monarch on the occasion of the death of Queen Elizabeth II. ABC's Tom Rivers is with us from London. This is uh, an adaptation that uh, everyone around the world is going to have to get used to, Tom, no, no, no less so, so for people in Britain, uh, many of whom, as you've pointed out, have never known uh, another head of state. Yeah, very much so. Um, a, a new page. And, uh, you know, that maybe that's a fresh aspect of life that uh, that uh, people are going to uh, maybe appreciate. We'll have to wait and see. Fascinating. Let's go back to the Liz Truss. Kind of very, very glowing prime ministerial kind of reaction to the death. Think back, and this was part of the campaign that we went through the past few months here in the Conservative Party, and uh, 19-year-old Liz Truss said the monarchy should be abolished. Well, she's changed her tune over time, that issue, and a number of other issues as well. But yes, I think she's really in tune now by saying, look, the country is crying, and I think you're absolutely right. She did leave her mark in a way no one else could. So uh, she's had a change of heart as well over the decades. So yes, it's a, it's a very interesting time to be here. And uh, it's one that I think is going to be seen by many, although you may have embraced the queen. Um, we've got a new guy that's going to be at the helm, and it's going to be fascinating and interesting to see him elucidate on, on various subjects of the day. What, what are his, th his thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, it's, 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 it's something that should be, by definition, maybe a breath of fresh air. Uh, certainly a change, uh, no, no matter what. ABC's Tom Rivers with us from London, and we will see how uh, King Charles III uh, assumes the, the monarchy. He has issued a statement today paying tribute to his mother and to the, 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 the queen herself, talking about his, the, the loss that, that, that his family is, is feeling, how, how deeply felt 
that that loss is. Uh, and and she really was, in a way, uh, the the grandmother of the nation with her you know handbag in tow, uh, rather than the power associated with past kings and, and queens. It, you know she she didn't seem to assert herself that way, but carried herself perhaps more more humbly. Even though we know that she wielded a tremendous power as the head of state and interacted with a, a number of world leaders, in, including a dozen American presidents. ABC's David Muir with more on that. My visit has given me the opportunity to reaffirm the ideals which we share and the affection that exists between our people. During her reign, Queen Elizabeth II traveled on nearly 300 official state visits. She never had a passport, a queen doesn't need one. Even so, she was by far the most traveled monarch in history. The first reigning monarch to visit Australia, China, Russia, post-apartheid South Africa. After all, her reign began abroad on an official visit to Kenya as princess. There she learned of her father's death and returned home a queen. And so it was sudden. And so she would later literally comment that she had not had the apprenticeship to become a queen that you might have expected that she was. That year, Stalin was still the leader of the Soviet Union. Harry Truman was president. Presidents come and go, but the one constant thing between the relationship between the UK and the US was the Queen. She danced with Gerald Ford, watched a ball game with George H.W. Bush. She had high tea with the Clintons. In every state visit, there's something that either goes wrong or doesn't quite go to plan, but that's invariably the thing that we will focus on. When she rode horses with Ronald Reagan. The Queen was out riding at Windsor, which he'd requested. And he sort of gave an impromptu press conference on the top of the horse. The Queen was so annoyed, she just trotted away. <laughs> George W. Bush welcomed her in 2007. You helped our nation celebrate its bicentennial in, 17, in 1976. He accidentally aged the Queen by 200 years. She gave me a look that only a mother could give a child. And in 2009, First Lady Michelle Obama put her arm around the Queen. It seems the President's wife has made at least one very influential friend. Keep in touch, it'll be nice, said the Queen. But as many pointed out, the Queen, it seems, was the first to put her arm around the First Lady's waist. You're not meant to touch the royal personage, because otherwise the Queen would be getting touched all the time. So there is a rule, don't touch the Queen. It happened again during President Trump's visit, a pat on the back during a state dinner. But the Queen always put a good face on etiquette errors. Like the time Nelson Mandela, long before he was an elected official, showed up at a South African state dinner, even though he wasn't invited. He was there with his entourage, and the Queen said, well, I think he should join us, don't you? And this is before he was President Mandela. They ended up, by many accounts, great friends. Nelson Mandela, it's been said, didn't call her Your Majesty. He called her Elizabeth. The Queen hosted her share of controversial state visits. The Shah of Iran, Vladimir Putin, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. And through it all, the Queen did not offer her personal opinions of those leaders. 
part of the royal job, if you like, is to put on the state visit, and it doesn't matter at all if the, what the Queen thinks of the person. People will be invited here because there's a need to have important discussions with those politicians, with those leaders. President Trump's visit was greeted with protests in the streets. During his visits here, he had had Twitter wars with the mayor of London, but in the presence of the Queen, he was somewhat docile. He almost seemed somewhat enamoured with her. So even a character like Donald Trump coming to Britain was, I think, a little disarmed by this diminutive woman in her 90s. The Queen was our soft power. And it will be very interesting to see how Prince Charles navigates that. She was going to have the conversations. She was going to go to the countries that wanted to see her. You know, she was going to go on those trips. She was going to do it. Whether she enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it, it was going to happen. It's impossible to know the breadth of her influence, but she played on the world stage longer than anyone else. And perhaps her visitors were just as starstruck meeting the Queen as her subjects were. She has always been a strong supporter of good relations between different cultures, between different groups, between different races and different religions. It was one of the things that I think her reign will be remembered for. ABC's David Muir on the Queen's meetings with heads of state around the world, including a dozen American presidents. We have heard now from President Biden, at least in a statement issued from the White House. So let's turn to our White House correspondent, ABC's Karen Travers. It's quite a lengthy statement from President Biden, Karen. It's a very lengthy statement, but the first line says so much, Aaron. President Biden says that Queen Elizabeth was more than a monarch. She defined an era. He noted her history making seven decades on the throne and said that the queen led with grace and unwavering commitment to duty and the incomparable power of her example. He highlighted her support for causes that he said uplifted people and expanded Opportunity, And he also noted her support for the cause of liberty. The president went on to note his personal connection to Queen Elizabeth, uh, saying that during his visit with her back in June of 2021, she charmed us with her wit, moved us with her kindness and generously shared with us her wisdom. He said that her legacy will loom large in the pages of British history and in the story of our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm struck, too, Karen, in just the last few minutes, our mm-hmm. inboxes have been flooded with, flooded. with statements from former presidents, from, from Carter to mm-hmm. all the way through to Trump. Everybody knew her, you know, and, and I think the thing that's so striking about this statement, it, the statements that we're getting is how well they did feel like they knew her. You know, I don't know how much time all of these presidents really spent with Queen Elizabeth, but you can tell that even from the limited amount of time that they would spend with her on maybe official state visits or brief stops in London when they were there meeting with world leaders or summits that they would go to, uh, all of these statements note not just the leadership that she brought to this role, the presence she brought uh, to the throne, but her personality. Uh, Barack and Michelle Obama's statement says that they were struck time and time again by her warmth, the way she put people at ease, and her considerable humor and charm to moments of great pomp and circumstance. And as you heard in that piece there from David Muir, George W. Bush joking about that at one of those events of pomp and circumstance. Uh, The statement from former President George W. Bush, who was one of the three presidents that she honored with an official state visit, he called her a woman of great intellect, charm, and 
wit and said that he appreciated her strong and steadfast friendship. Uh, Bill Clinton, former president, says he and Hillary are mourning the passing and uh, describe her as someone with unfailing grace, dignity and someone who had genuine care for the welfare of all of its people. You mentioned that former President Trump also put out a statement. He says he and Melania, the former first lady, are deeply saddened to learn of the loss of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, and they send their sincere condolences. Uh, he seemed very taken by her in the times that they were together. <laughs> and Aaron, in his statement, he called her a grand and beautiful lady. He said there was nobody like her. ABC's Karen Travers, our White House correspondent, Uh, on the relationships between American presidents and Queen Elizabeth II, who died today at age 96 after more than 70 years on the throne. Uh, Michelle Taubers, the senior royals editor from People magazine, Uh, just hearing some of the sentiments of the the, the presidents are are added to the tributes that we've heard from from the the people of Great Britain as we try to come to grips with uh, a a new a new approach to, to the monarchy and and. I wonder, Michelle, what accounts for that relationship between the American presidents and and, and a queen? I mean, America has been trying to course correct for after decades of, you know, kind of marginalized people. That's a direct descendancy of our connection to the monarchy. But but yet we love the queen. (laughs) Yeah, there's a bit of a contradiction there. I will will acknowledge. Um, I do think, however, it's a very it's been a very friendly um, cordial relationship between nations. I mean, let's not let's not forget that Great Britain is, you know, um, our, our biggest ally and has been for a very long time. And I think that, you know, particularly during um, the World Wars, we saw, and and especially again when Queen Elizabeth was a young princess alive during that time, and later leading um, in the years after, you know, marrying Prince Philip using a coupon um, rationing fabric because that's how closely. Uh, out of World War II, the time was. So I think that that um, allyship is something that American presidents um, do not take for granted at all. I think there's probably a degree of, um, you know, sort of role role modeling by the queen for any world figure, but especially for American presidents who probably are a bit wishful, if I had to imagine, um, of being in a position where one may remain um, outside, above the politics of it all, right? Um, you know, neutral in a way that is that is not possible for yeah. any U.S. president, but certainly something that makes her a touchstone, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. And I think there's a real appeal to that for any U.S. president. And I think that's why you see someone like Donald Trump, you know, who, who said very incendiary things about many of the leading UK figures of the time, but as was noted earlier, was, you know, very um, cordial and warm with Queen Elizabeth, mm. because that's a line that no one has crossed. Mm. Indeed. Uh, Michelle Tower, the senior royals editor of People magazine. It's been uh, great to have you with us as we commemorate the life of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, for the rest of of Americans, we have come to know her really as as grandmother, as we hear from ABC's Sherry Preston. Imagine if you went over the river and through the woods to visit Granny, and you went to Buckingham Palace, Princess Beatrice. She's sort of this incredibly passionate lady who has sort of transcends every generation. And you know, we're very we're very lucky that not only do we get to think about her as an incredible queen. 
and an incredible leader, but also as an incredible grandmother. Prince William. You look back at history and go, you know, has she really done this? Is this really happening? Because at the moment, obviously, it's it's amazing, but it's I think the significance comes in the future when you look back and go, this was her reign and this is what happened and how impressive is it? Despite all the pageantry and glittering crowns, her grandchildren insisted that behind palace walls, she was no different than any other grandmother. She had eight grandchildren, many of whom are now parents themselves. Great-grandson George called her Gan Gan. Princesses Eugenie and Beatrice. We look up to her and, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to make her proud. We look up to her like any granddaughter would to their grandmother. With a little bit of added something. <laughs> After his military service was over, grandson Harry made a promo video for his charity, the Invictus Games for Wounded Warriors. He got the Obamas to play along. Hey, Prince Harry, remember when you told us to bring it at the Invictus Games? Careful what you wish for. Prince Harry knew only one response could one-up the White House. Oh, really? Please. It was a side of the Queen that few got to see. There's a certain mysteriousness and a certain mystique that needs to be kept. And, uh, you know, what goes on behind closed doors in anyone's life, I think, should be private. So she's, she's cut that balance quite well. Princesses and princes may live in a different world, but like anyone, they take many of their life lessons from their grandparents. She set an incredible example to, to me, to others, to follow her leadership, her duty, her sacrifice, all these things, you know, her selflessness, her love of country. I think they really, really shine through, and I think those are incredibly important. Her determination, her duty, but also her sense of fun and her love of life. She's taught me to always um, be true to yourself and to, um, to stand up and be strong. To her duty and way she's brought up, it's very, very important. Um, she puts her own personal feelings and her own personal thoughts to one side and goes, what's, the, what's for the greater good? What's for the, the country's good? And in some cases, what's for the world's good? Regardless of, of whether she was the queen or not, I think everyone and anyone who's, who's committed themselves to public life like this or, or has dedicated themselves to duty, I think they deserve a massive pat on the back and a, and a, and a, and a recognition towards this. Um, no matter where, who anyone is and what walk of life, the very fact that you've given yourself over to this and doing it is, is hugely commendable. You know, that example, if people took just a tiny bit of it away in their own lives, you know, I think the world would be a better place. ABC Sherry Preston on The Grandmother Queen Elizabeth was. She was also Britain's longest reigning monarch, more than 70 years on the throne, and she died today at 96. The new king, Charles III, had dashed to her bedside. Her doctors said in an unprecedented statement she needed to be under medical supervision. Charles was joined by the monarch's other children, the Prince Roy Princess Royal, the Duke of York, the Earl of Wessex, the Duke of Cambridge, now heir to the throne, with the Duke of Sussex also traveling there, who two grandsons to be by her bedside. There is a new monarch now. Clarence House confirmed Charles will be known as King Charles III, and he will return to London tomorrow after spending the night in Scotland to lead two weeks of official mourning. I'm Aaron Katursky, ABC News. ABC News, honored for the second year in a row with five Murrow Awards for excellence in audio, including breaking news coverage. ABC News, America's number one choice. And Queen Elizabeth II has died at the age. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. 
I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.